Hi, this is Ananda, president of the Hare Krishna community near Washington, D.C. What follows is a Sunday talk recorded at our temple. Every Sunday we invite the public for meditation, a talk, and a vegetarian lunch. We'd love for you to join us. More information is available at iskonofdc.org. That's I-S-K-C-O-N of D-C dot org. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the talk. Today's topic is uh, tolerance, a vital path to transcendence. Now, sometimes we think that being transcendental means uh, not feeling any, any pressure or not experiencing any suffering. But actually, being transcendental means uh, we experience the pressure, we experience uh, the different uh, problems of life, but we are able not to be affected too much by them. And so we'll, um, we'll look in different uh, texts, starting from the Bhagavad Gita. How many of you, is there anybody who never heard about Bhagavad Gita? See, the first rule of public speaking is to understand the audience. So I'm asking, please don't feel uh, insulted in any way. So everybody has got some notion, some working understanding of the Bhagavad Gita the divine dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna, Krishna being the Supreme Personality of God and Arjuna being his friend and devotee. So at the very beginning of the teachings of Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, is a verse that uh, talks about the importance of tolerance. And uh, we'll go through different verses. So if you like to repeat the Sanskrit with me, we can all read together. Matrasparshashtukhanteya Shitoshna Sukadhukadaha Agamapaino Nityas Tamstitikshaswa Bharata So here Krishna is saying to Arjuna that uh, in this world, there are different uh, sense perceptions, matras parshas. Our senses get in touch with the objects of the senses. And some of these perceptions, some of these experiences are pleasant. And some are unpleasant. And they appear and disappear. Just like summer and winter appear and disappear. So similarly, sukha dukkha, Pleasure and pain appear and disappear. And because they are temporary, we should not be too influenced by them. We should not identify with them. And therefore, therefore we should tolerate them. In a purport in the fourth canto, Srila Prabhupada says, like rewording this verse or, or giving a different translation, say, my dear Arjuna, please try to tolerate all these disturbances. Be fixed in your Krishna conscious activities. Why is it important to be tolerant? Because we have certain duties, both in connection to our sphere of work, family, social sphere, and we have certain duties in relation to our spiritual life. Some of you have uh, 
taken vows, for, say for instance for chanting, chanting the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra every day, or um, vows in terms of what you're going to eat, or what you're not going to eat, and so on and so forth. So tolerance is the key to be able to fulfill those duties. Srila Prabhupada in the purport gives some uh, practical example. This is uh, Srila Prabhupada's words. One has to take his bath early in the morning, even during the month of Magha, January, February. And the person who is determined to follow that, it will take bath, either it's cold or, or not. Of course, here in North America, generally we do have uh, uh, hot water. But in many countries, it's not like that. So cold weather means cold water. But the person who is determined to be clean in the morning for the spiritual duties related to the morning, he, will, he or she will take bath. Another example Srila Prabhupada gives, similarly a woman does not hesitate to cook in the kitchen in the months of May and June, the hottest part of the summer season. Again, in, in India, many of you are from India or familiar with India, the hottest months are May and June. And uh, when we are talking about woman uh, cooking, traditionally they didn't have all these uh, first-class um, electric uh, stoves and all that. I mean, cooking means being in touch with the fire. Huh? And some of you know how hot can become in India. But still the lady of the house uh, will uh, sit there near the stove and sweat this way, her way to preparing a meal for the whole family. Because if she wasn't doing that, nobody would eat. So even in, uh, even in uh, uh, common duties or family social duties, tolerance is essential for our performance. So Srila Prabhupada concludes, one has to execute his duty in spite of climatic inconvenience. And actually, just uh, like uh, you did, uh, you had uh, this uh, desire to come to the temple, and although it's raining, you came. So please give, give yourself a clap. <laughs> you might uh, decide, that, well, it's raining, I don't want to go through this, uh, through this inconvenience, but uh, you did, and now you are here. Uh, in front of uh, Shishirada Madamohan. Now, we will analyze in this presentation three types of experiences that need toleration. Hmm? Technically, in Sanskrit, they are called Adidhaivak, Adibhutik, and Adiatmic. In other words, Adidhaivak means uh, disturbances or inconveniences, circumstances that come from uh, meteorological things, uh, like the weather, things which are really not in our control. The cold, the heat, like we saw in this verse. Adibotic means experiences we have in relation with other living entities, other human beings, how other people deal with us, their words, their activities, do they neglect us, do they insult us, are they kind with us, are they unkind with us? That's like adibotic type of disturbances. And then adiatmic, atmic meaning self, 
those disturbances that come from the body and the mind, from our own self. The disturbances that come from desires and memories that come into our mind. Hmm. So, we touch on the Adi Daivak, and, and the main thing to remember here is the concept of duty. Because a person who wants to advance in spiritual life <coughs> has assumed some duties, he or she needs to tolerate circumstances, even circumstances that make following the duty more difficult. And uh, I wanted to share an excerpt from Srila Prabhupada's lecture in New York, the 4th March of 1966. Now, at that time, ISKCON, the International Society for Krishna Consciousness, was not yet founded. And Srila Prabhupada, the founder of Acharya, was pretty much alone. He just had experienced his first winter in the Western world, and actually March is still very much winter, especially in New York often. He had seen snow and experienced the cold of snow for the first time in his 70 years. And he basically, he was struggling alone. So in a lecture he gave on 4th March 1966, he said, I shall be very happy to return to my Vrindavan, that sacred place. But then why you are, he is personifying somebody who is asking, but why, why you're here then? Now, because it is my duty. I brought some message for you people because I'm ordered by superior, my spiritual master. So in spite of all my difficulties, all my inconveniences, I'm here because I'm in duty. If I go and sit down at Vrindavan, I shall be very comfortable there. And I'll be, I'll have no anxiety, nothing of the sort, you see? But I have taken all the risk in the old age because I'm duty bound. I am in duty bound. So I have to execute my duty in spite of all my inconveniences. That is the idea. So this is one of the motivations that can help us build tolerance. When we act out of duty and when we act to satisfy a superior authority. In this case, Srila Prabhupada speaks about his spiritual master who instructed him, go to the West and give the message of the Bhagavad Gita. So because when we want to satisfy our guru, our spiritual authority, his satisfaction becomes more important than our comfort. His pleasure becomes more important than our pleasure. So when one develops that type of mentality, being tolerant becomes easier. Again, not that Srila Prabhupada was not aware or was not experiences those inconveniences. He was experiencing those inconveniences. But he had a higher duty. He had a higher commitment. His commitment was not to comfort. His commitment was not to an easy situation. He had a very easy situation in Brindavan. How many of you have been to Brindavan? OK. 
Okay. Vrindavan, especially at that time, we're talking about more than 50 years ago, was like uh, heaven on earth. Very peaceful, very green. In the whole of Vrindavan, there was only one car, one taxi. Hmm? And Srila Prabhupada had rooms at the Radha Dhamodar temple, right near the deities of Radha Dhamodar, the temple of Srila Jiva Goswami. So he was perfectly happy there. From his uh, kitchen window, he could see the samadhi of Srila Rupa Goswami. So he was perfectly happy there. But still, he left Vrindavan and went to, the, to New York after more than a month on a cargo ship because of duty. And he could not have done that without the quality of tolerance. So now we go to Sri Chaitanya Charitamrita. This is Lord Chaitanya. Um, and as you know, Lord Chaitanya only wrote eight verses, although he was a great scholar. He's Krishna himself. He's the author of all the Vedas. Still, he only compiled eight verses, eight shloka. And one of them is this famous verse. Trinada pisunichenam. Tarodivasa Hishnuna Amanina Manadina Kirtaniya Sadahari. So we are especially interested in this uh, concept of being more tolerant than a tree. Taror Iva Sahishnuna. The verse says one should be as humble as a piece of grass in the street, one should be as tolerant as a tree, and uh, one should always be inclined to give respect to others and not inclined to receive any respect. In that state of consciousness, one can chant the holy names constantly. Again, tolerance as a key to perfect practice. And the tree is very tolerant. Sri Prabhupada many times elaborates on the theme. The tree is outside, sometimes it's very hot, sometimes it's very cold, sometimes there is snow wading, wading down the tree, the old tree, sometimes people cut, write their own initials on the tree, all sorts of, uh, all sorts of uh, disturbances for the tree, but the tree remains as it is. So this is the image for tolerance, the tolerance of a tree. Hmm. Going back to the Bhagavad Gita, we see a passage in the 13th chapter, text number 8. There Krishna lists 20 items that constitute the path of knowledge. Krishna says, these 20 items are knowledge. Means how somebody acts when one has knowledge. Knowledge of reality. Hmm? Knowledge of good and bad. And one is kshantihi, which is another name for tolerant. Kshanti, kshama, titiksha, these are all synonyms. And there Srila Prabhupada defines tolerance as, tolerance means that one should be practiced to bear insult and dishonor from others. In other words, not everybody will deal with us in the way we desire. Not everybody will respect us in the way we like. 
Mm? So we cannot become too agitated because it's just an, it's just the nature of this world. Sometimes we get respect, sometimes we get disrespect. Sometimes we get praise, and sometimes we get chastisements or criticism. It's just the way this world is. Somebody likes us, somebody doesn't like us. <coughs> and therefore, we should not be too agitated or involved in how people treat us. And interestingly, this is even applicable in the society of devotees. We may be all practicing bhakti yoga. We may all have accepted Lord Krishna as the goal of life. And we are all on the same path, but still we have different um, opinions. We have different personalities. We have different uh, motivations and mentalities. So sometimes we tend to clash, but we should not be too affected. Should not, we should not leave these social interactions to affect us too much. And I'm taking a lecture that Srila Prabhupada gave in New York in, in January 1967, a lecture on the Bhagavad Gita, and Srila Prabhupada speaks about this. He says, Kshama means tolerant. Tolerant. You should not be disturbed. Suppose you are in this Krishna conscious society. Now you cannot expect that all the members of the society will be first class men. How can we expect? We are collecting members of the society from all classes of men. So there may be a man in goodness, a man in the passion, and a man in the ignorance. But if you think, oh, this man is not good, that man is not good, oh, no, you should be tolerant. I think you are all familiar with these three divisions, sattva, rajas, tamas. Eh? There are people who are naturally more, uh, more sweet, more cordial, more scholarly, sattva guna, uh, goodness. Hmm? There are people who naturally are more... Um, agitated by desires and plans and uh, sometimes they may be a little bit intense. Huh? And then there are people who are more in tamoguna, means they are a little bit, uh, sometimes uh, they don't take in consideration other people's feeling when they speak or when they act. It's just their nature. Huh? It's just their background. So Srila Prabhupada continues, <clears throat> you haven't got any connection with this man or that man. You're connected with the philosophy, with the process of life. Suppose you are on the ship. You do not find just all men to your choice. There may be different kinds of men, but what is that to you? You have to cross the Atlantic Ocean, patiently cross. Just sit down tightly on the ship and take advantage of the opportunity. That is your business. This is called kshama. Kshama means excuse and tolerant. And it's interesting, Srila Prabhupada gives this example of crossing the Atlantic Ocean on a ship because he had this experience. I think most of you know he crossed the Atlantic Ocean on the Jaladuta ship. <coughs> <coughs> 
he was on a cargo ship for more than a month, and we don't know the details, who was on the ship, how well-mannered were those uh, sailors, how many of them uh, were vegetarian, how many of them would smoke, we don't know. But sailors generally are quite rough. I mean, at least according to colloquial wisdom, they say swear like a sailor, no? So we don't know what Srila Prabhupada faced on that ship, what kind of people were there. But he had the mission to perform. And so, you know, he kept going. He had the objective, and these were just trip companions for his trip. Now we go to Srimad Bhagavatam, to an important verse. This verse is in the prayers of Lord Brahma to Krishna in the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. No, this is another verse from the Srimad Bhagavatam. We'll come to that verse later, sorry. So this is another verse explain how a sadhu, a saintly person, one of his first qualities is to be tolerant. So we'll read that. Titikshava karunika surida sarvadehinam ajata shatravashantaha sadava sadubhushana So these are qualities uh, ornaments, sadubhushana, that the saintly person is adorned with these qualities. And the first one is titikshava, is tolerant. So from the translations, says the symptom of a sadhu are that he is tolerant, merciful, and friendly to all living entities. And Srila Prabhupada in the purport explains, even to be merciful to people, we need to be tolerant. Why? Because... Sometimes we want to do good for people, but people are not receptive. We want to give them knowledge, we want to give them good advice, good orientation, but people are not interested. And sometimes they react in a, in a, a very uh, violent way sometimes. So Srila Prabhupada writes in that purport, while engaging preaching work, he, I mean the saintly person, has to meet with so many opposing elements. And therefore the sadhu, or devotee of the Lord, has to be very tolerant. Sometimes devotees are personally attacked with violence. And Srila Prabhupada is making this point in a universal sense. Not just from this tradition or from this denomination, from any tradition of God consciousness. So he continues the... He continues the purport and he speaks about Jesus Christ. He says, Lord Jesus Christ was crucified. In another circumstance, Srila Prabhupada explains that Jesus Christ could retaliate, could have retaliated, could have cursed back his oppressors. But what he did, according to the tradition, while he was on the cross, he prayed to the Lord saying, Father, Please forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. So, great example of tolerance. In India, we have another great saint, Haridas Thakur. Haridas Thakur was caned 
in 22 marketplaces. Means was beaten with canes as a punishment. He was uh, from a non-Hindu background. So when he took up Krishna consciousness, the people from his uh, social environment were very, very, very angry. And the authorities punished him. And to make an example of him, they took him and in different 22 marketplaces, 22 villages, they beat, it. They beat him with, with uh, canes. Hmm? So still he was very tolerant. Still he was very tolerant. Another example of tolerance from the same purport. And Lord Chaitanya's principal assistant, Nityananda, was violently attacked by Jagai Madai. But still, they were tolerant because their mission was to deliver the fallen souls. Nityananda Prabhu, we have him on the altar here, on your extreme left. So Nityananda Prabhu is Narayan himself. He is the source of Narayan. Is Balaram himself. So he is God. But when he came down to earth, he came in the mood of delivering the fallen souls or giving this message. So what happened in his uh, predication, one time he was in Navadip, West Bengal, and was trying to enlighten two brothers, Jagai and Madai. Many of you have heard this story. How many of you heard this story, Jagai and Madai? Okay, some of you heard. This, this uh, Jagai and Madai were very sinful. We're actually two criminals. It is said that they committed so many crimes, you can't even list them all. Mm? All sorts of abuse, all sorts of violence, all sorts of uh, misbehaviors. So then when Nityananda Prabhu approached them, they became very angry. Because he asked, please chant the holy name of the Lord. This is good for everyone. Please chant the holy name of the Lord. They became very angry. One of them took a, a pot, one of this earthen pot, and he broke it on the forehead of Nityananda Prabhu. And Nityananda Prabhu started manifesting blood. His body is transcendental. Before our teaching, he started manifesting blood. So Lord Chaitanya, here in the yellow dhoti, and Nityananda in the blue dhoti. So Nityana, uh, Lord Chaitanya was very angry. So he is Krishna himself. So he called for his Sudarshan disc, his ultimate weapon, because he wanted to kill Jagai Madai. But then Nityananda Prabhu prayed to the Lord, please, if we had to kill them, we had to practically kill everyone in this age. This is the Kali Yuga. Everybody has some serious personality disorder. Everybody has got some serious a uh, sinful mentality, or at least a, a large part of the population. Mm. So please forgive them. And then Lord Chaitanya accepted. He forgave them. And then they also became very, very exemplary devotees. So this is a, an example of great devotees of the Lord, like Jesus, Haridas Thakur, Nityananda Prabhu, who manifested tolerance in his, their preaching. Now we'll take another verse from the Shimbhagavatam. And this is a verse, the verse I spoke about before. This is a verse spoken by Lord Brahma. It's a prayer 
that he asks that he offers Lord Krishna. And this is very important to for us to understand what kind of mentality is favorable to develop tolerance. So we'll uh, read it together. Tatenu kampam sushamikshamano Bunjana evat makratam vipakam Ridvagvapur beer vidadan namaste Jivita yo muktipade sadaya bak so here it explains that when a devotee suffers, what he does? He thinks, well, this suffering is coming. It could be any type of suffering from the body, the mind, from other people, from external and environmental circumstances, economic, social, political, whatever, source. So when a devotee suffers, he thinks, well, actually... This suffering comes from my previous activities. Atmakritam. Bunjana eva atmakritam. In other words, it's self-caused, self-done. Atmakritam. They think, okay, I must have done something wrong in this life or in the previous life. Therefore, now I'm getting the reaction. So I cannot become too angry with the instruments of my karma. Okay, maybe I'm having an accident and this other person in this car is the instrument, but actually it's my karma. So I can't really complain. Nothing happens by chance. So if it, something happens, it's because it's a reaction to some activity I did. And then, despite the suffering, with his heart, with his words, and with his body, rid vag vapurbhir, with his heart, with his voice, and with his body, he keeps glorifying the Lord. He keeps offering obeisances to the Lord. He does not become bitter. Not only that, but he thinks, I'm just receiving a little portion of what I should have received. And Srila Prabhupada talks about that in another lecture. I'm suffering. It is due to my past mischievous activities. But you, you the Lord, but you are rescuing me by giving little punishment. I would have been punished more, but you have given little punishment. So that's the mood of a devotee. It doesn't become angry. So this is the type of mentality that helps us remain intolerant. So two aspects, one, taking responsibility, there is nothing external, it's all atmakritam, it's the consequences of our activity, and ultimately even whatever happened to this world, in this world, we are born in this world due to our choice. It's not somebody else's choice that we are born in this world. We are accumulating a certain credits and a certain desires in previous lives. So whatever we face is a result of that. So first of all, responsibility, and then the mood of gratitude. That yes, I'm getting a little reaction, but I could get much more. Could be much, much heavier. 
Maybe I'm cutting my finger, but I could have cut my head. And also the gratefulness, the gratitude for all that we get of good. We shouldn't only focus on the things which are unpleasant. We should also appreciate things which are pleasant in life. Okay? So, we go back to the Bhagavad Gita and we go to the point of Adhyatmika um, Klesha. Suffering coming from the, our own mind. And in this case, specifically for a transcendentalist, for somebody who is trying to elevate in spiritual life, is very important because there are so many desires, so many temptations, so many memories, so many distractions that come in our mind. Unless we are able to tolerate them, then we become slaves of this thinking, this feeling, and so on. So this is 5.23. Shaknoti haiva yasudhum. Praksharira vimokshanat. Kama krudut bhavan vegam. Sayukta sasukhi naraha. Before giving up this present body, if one is able to tolerate the urges of the material senses and check the force of desire and anger, he is well situated and he is happy in this world. So Krishna says here, Sasuki Naraha, Naraha, the man, uh, who is the happy man? Happy man and happy woman. Suki, happy. So Krishna is saying that one can become happy in this life when he tolerates the urges of the senses, the urges of the mind, the urges of desire, and anger. In other words, Krishna is not saying one will become happy. One doesn't feel any desire, material desire. But when he is able to tolerate them, in other words, not to act according to those desires, so desires are natural because the soul is a person and being a person means desiring. But there are spiritual desires, fruitful desires, positive desires, productive desires, and there are material or degrading desires. Not everything that crosses our mind is pure. Not everything that crosses our mind is for our elevation. So many things cross our mind, many desires, ideas, they're not good for us. So Krishna is saying, if you are able to tolerate them, they come, they'll go, you don't act on them, then you'll become happy. If you become a slave to this mental status, to these psychic patterns, then you'll never be happy. So desires sometimes are very burning, burning in the heart. So one who can tolerate the burning and not act on the material desires, he will be happy. So this uh, is the concept of endurance or fortitude, the capacity of tolerating 
things which come up from our subconscious, from our unconscious, from our experience. We have vasanas, desires. We have samskaras. Samskaras meaning impressions. Hmm? So if we don't let these uh, things dominate us, we'll become happy. And again from the Bhagavad Gita, this is the last uh, verse uh, we'll uh, touch upon, and then we'll take questions or comments. The last verse from the Bhagavad Gita is from the second chapter. It's text 70, and it's very similar to this previous one. Basically, it says that just like the ocean is not disturbed by the many rivers that flow into it, similarly, a man of knowledge should not be disturbed by many desires that enter into his mind. So let's see. Apuryamana machala pratishtam Samudramapa pravishanti yadvat Tadvatkamayam pravishanti sarve Sashamti apnoti nakama kami so samudra, samudra, the ocean. So many rivers come into the ocean, but the ocean remains steady. It doesn't go beyond its limit. So similarly, into each and every one of us, so many kama, desires, come into our mind. But here it says, one who can tolerate them and remain I'm phased. Sha shantim apnuti. He sa shantim apnuti. He reaches shanti. Not the one who runs after the desire. Nakama kami. Not one who tries to satisfy the desire. Kama kami means one who works to satisfy all the desires across the mind. There are legitimate desires. And there are illegitimate desires. Of course, here we are talking about illegitimate desires. Not all desires are bad. Desires are natural. But there are some desires which are illegitimate. They are against our nature. And trying to satisfy them is not good for us. It's counterproductive. It's like, for instance, uh, drinking alcohol. The body, the mind, doesn't need alcohol to function. But we may become uh, tempted, we may become addicted, we may become uh, alcoholics, and that's a great uh, degradation. That's a great slavery. We, we can all understand, even without the moral, ethical, or spiritual perspective. And a, a man who is an alcoholic is a failure, is a loser. He can't function in life. Why? Because there are certain desires that became so overwhelming, it became an habit, and he can't, can't get out. Of it. it could be many, many, we, but just take one. So there are some, or greed, somebody just uh, is in the burning desire to earn more and more and more. We all need some earning, but when it's more and more and more than what we require, it becomes slavery. So Krishna is saying only by tolerating this we can achieve peace. Desires may come to him like the waters of the rivers that flow into the ocean, but he is steady in his activities. 
That is the proof of a Krishna conscious man. One who has lost all inclinations for material sense gratifications, although the desires are present. In other words, a Krishna conscious person is not that he does not experience temptations or urges or pushes or pressure from the senses or from the mind. It's not that he's not experienced sometime the willingness to be angry, but he can tolerate that. And because he tolerates that, he becomes as peaceful as the ocean. So with this uh, positive image, I close my lecture. We have some time for questions or comments. If anybody likes to share, we have the gentleman here. Thank you, Guruji. That was a wonderful lecture. Thank you. Uh, I have a question. I, I actually am a little troubled by the happenings in the world. And uh, this kind of plays into the topic that we have today, tolerance. Oh. Uh, one of the shlokas in Gita, Bhagavad Gita is, Yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharat abhyuttana madharmasya tadatmanam sujameham. You know, you heard the shloka, Yada yada hi dharmasya glanir bhavati bharat abhyuttana madharmasya tadatmanam sujameham. So Krishna is telling Arjuna that, you know, wherever you see adharma, you must try to destroy it. That's a function of every sujana, good person. So given that, with all this that's happening around the world, what happened recently in Great Britain, there were some Coptic Christians. So how do you separate yourself, your emotions? How do you become tolerant of these atrocities? And mm -hmm. how do you not let them trouble you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, good point. Thank you. Yeah, good point because when we talk about tolerance, we are talking, we have been talking so far about things that happen to us. Now, there are certain things that happen to people that we should not simply tolerate. So, just like we touched before on the titikshava karunika, the devotee is tolerant, but is also karunika. He is also merciful. In other words, the devotee feels for others. It says, paradukha dukhi. The quality of the devotee. Paradukha dukhi. He feels pain for the pain of others. It could be what happened in UK, what happened in Egypt, or what happens every day, everywhere in the world where people are suffering. In ignorance, uh, due to hunger, due to thirst, uh, due to mental disturbances, uh, uh, just because of disease, because of dying. So the devotee... and. This is a good point to make. It's not tolerant in the sense that they say, oh, everybody's suffering in this world. It's okay. So the devotee tries to do something. Tries to do something. He knows, the devotee knows that ultimately there are many external or instrumental causes. Huh? It may be the terrorist in UK or maybe this politician here or this other situation there. But he knows that ultimately... The root cause of all problems is that the jiva, the soul, has for, forgotten God. Has forgotten Krishna. So the root cause of all suffering is forgetfulness of Krishna. So the devotee tries his best to help people remember Krishna. And how he does that? He distributes books that speak about Krishna. 
invites people to the temple to hear about Krishna or invites people to his house and to share about Krishna. He shares the holy name with people. In other words, the devotee is pained by other people's pain and is trying to help to reconnect people with Krishna. So if you really feel strongly, please be part of an organized effort to spread Krishna consciousness. Because the first purpose of ISKCON is to systematically propagate spiritual knowledge to society at large. And this is because we know people are suffering. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Uh, I mean, uh, this is good and thank you for your lecture. But I was reading one thing, uh, one verse, you know, um, uh, chapter 9, verse 34. Mm -hmm. And that talks about, I will just tell the English because I don't uh, remember this and all this. Engage your mind always in thinking of me. Become my devotee. Offer obeisance to me and worship me. Being completely absorbed to me, surely you will come to me. So I, I think this is uh, some point, I think you just made it that you remember God, you know, all the time and maybe, you know, thinking about Krishna. But, but my question, I think, is a little bit separate than this one, that uh, tolerance is good things to have a person, you know. But um, how, how you can be completely absorbed in Krishna 24 hours and seven days when you have life to working and things like that. So what is your opinion there, you know, when personal point of view, you can do some prayers and, you know, singing, chanting, hearing things, having association with mm -hmm. devotees, right? I mean, besides those, that's what Purport says. But be, besides that, what is your thoughts, I think, you can do when you are at work, you know, eight, nine hours with colleagues? Are they a devotee or not? I don't know. Yeah. Yes. Thanks. Thank you. Yes, you see, the Bhagavad Gita is spoken by Krishna to a to Arjuna, who was a practical man, was a warrior, was a householder, was a prince. Uh, he was not a meditator, a yogi in the Himalaya. And uh, so the Bhagavad Gita's message is very practical. Just like Arjuna was in the world, uh, very actively involved in his occupation and his duties. So we are also in the world. And uh, the Bhagavad Gita is very relevant for us. I'll give you an example. You're saying working eight, nine hours or 10 hours. Now, why are we working? Yes, we are working to uh, maintain our family, maintain ourselves. Now, the principle of yagya is a yagya sacrifice. It's a central principle of the Bhagavad Gita. In other words, whatever we do, even things which don't look like yagya, don't look like sacrifice, they should be purified by offering the fruits to Krishna. Just like many of you are familiar uh, with the concept of Homa, the fire sacrifice, hmm? uh, which in India is still practiced in different circumstances. So in the, when you do a fire sacrifice, before lighting in the fire and offering the mantras, offering the ghee, there is a whole preparation. You got to get bricks, you got to get wood, you got to get ghee. And if you look, we look externally or superficially, all that doesn't look like it's part of the sacrifice, just getting some bricks and some wood. But then 
that sacrifice becomes perfect when, when the bricks are there, the altar of sacrifice is there, the wood is there, the ghee is there, and then you start offering the ghee with special mantras to the fire. So then it's like the sacrifice is fulfilled. So for a person who is a householder and he works in the office, surrounded often by non-devotees, people who don't know about Krishna consciousness, that's also part of his yagya. If in his free time, he dedicates his free time to Krishna consciousness. So you're not expected to, you're not expected, required, or even recommended to become aloof from anything you do. But whatever you do should be a platform for you to use your free time in Krishna consciousness. So you can chant, you can visit the temple, you can do different services, uh, you can preach, you can do many, many, many things. So all the, we could say, the preparatory activity, earning money through a honest occupation in the office and so on and so forth, that becomes part of the yagya. Okay? So that part is also spiritualized. Thank you. In real life, how do you learn to tolerate constant pain in your body, some parts of the body? Okay, first of all, if you can do something about it, try to do something. Huh? There are different medicines. Uh, Krishna consciousness is not against trying to relieve ourselves from bodily pain, uh, allopathic, ayurvedic, uh, whatever. Uh, you try to alleviate the, 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 the pain. Um, if you cannot relieve the pain, what to do? See, the tolerance is like a muscle. It's like our physical muscles. They become stronger as we use. So it's not that we have a certain quota of tolerance and that's it. As we practice, we become more and more tolerant. Okay. Last point from this lady. Hare Krishna. That was a beautiful discourse. Um, so the thing that's troubling me is what if somebody is in an abusive situation and they're tolerating it and they're tolerating mm -hmm. it and praying and they're and it's not alleviating in fact it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. What do you what do you say about tolerance in that case? Okay. Now, I'm talking in general. Obviously, I don't know the situation. So you I don't know what I'll say how relevant it is uh, but certainly there are certain things that there is a limit to tolerance in other words if there are certain situations that will affect us negatively we will not be able to say practice our duties or practice our spiritual life we need to make some arrangement just to give a, a very um, simple example Say there is ve it's very cold, there is snow. Now, Krishna is not teaching us that we should uh, wear uh, just a T-shirt and pants. Huh? We should cover ourselves. Huh? So tolerance is not uh, a, 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 an artificial display of, um, of self-imposed pain. Okay? So we need to understand certain things we need to act uh, so that, that that pain, that discomfort, that inconvenience gets minimized or removed. Hmm? If there is a tooth that hurts, we got to go to the dentist. So Krishna is not presenting anything impractical. 
It's not saying, well, you have a tutu, it's rotting. Just keep going. That's stoicism. That's not Krishna consciousness. No, you go to the dentist, fix it. Either you remove it or fix it, or like that. So when we have abusive relations and we try our best to fix them, uh, fix the relation, improve uh, uh, the relation, or help the person, uh, there is a one point in which we don't have any more the duty to tolerate. It will actually be counterproductive hmm? because it will affect us so deeply that we will lose the capacity of fulfilling our duties. Hmm. So each one will have to analyze very maturely, very wisely, and I, I, I suggest the person ask for counsel, ask for advice to people who are more experienced, more wise, and then sometimes, even Srila Prabhupada talks about this, if the relation is too abusive, is too counterproductive, is too toxic, then we don't have the duty or the, we could say, absolute order that we have to continue. But this has to be done very carefully. Because if we do it too, uh, too abruptly or too prematurely, then we may also not do our dharma. So it's a very subtle type of thing. So the principle of cutting a, a, a relation which is too abusive, too toxic for us is there. But before deciding that cut, we need to be considered very, 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 very carefully. Does it help? Okay. So we close here. Thank you very much uh, for... Thank you very much for tolerating me, I guess. <laughs>